Okay, welcome along to Season 3, Episode 24 of LOI Weekly. It's Dan in the hot seat here this week as Johnny Ward is away on one of his many holidays. More holidays than Catherine Thomas in an average year. We'll hear from him shortly. And uh, to replace him, I'm not sure if it actually replaces the word, but uh, because Johnny, some people are just irreplaceable. You know, so you can't really always replace that number 10 player, that playmaker. You don't know what he's going to do next. So we've got Shane Keegan in you here. You go with something very different, don't you? you You're don't more of a mid- midfield stopper, you know, someone who'll be a bit more reliable, that's, that's less yeah, likely yeah. to take a risk. I'll just you sit know. back and mind the house. We'll leave the flamboyance to, to Johnny further up the field, I think, yeah. But the good thing is we actually might actually have him on the line already. Johnny, where where in the world are you this week, Johnny? Uh, good morning, lads. I'm just in Cannes here in the south of France, just a couple of days away, seeing how um, people Cannes. with wealth and, you know, uh, influence and resources all live. Amazing weather. Very, very warm. And, uh, yeah, I have to find an Irish bar now that'll watch, that'll show the Dundalk game tomorrow night. So, so how many holidays is this this year? I think, actually, I mean, I actually know. I said to you last night, I said, John, it's a lot of holidays this year. And you said, only three. And I was thinking... Like I feel like sending a message to that boom is back account that you're sort of vaguely obsessed yeah. with because where were your previous holidays this year? Just rem- remind us. Uh, just a couple of trips to New York, although one of them was uh, was a kind of an impromptu decision to go to a wedding. Right. And my sister had a wedding then at the weekend, just gone, and all of those Americans that I would have met were back uh, in Ireland. So um, I'm I'm just vaguely recovered at this stage. It was right. it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and uh, pl- plenty of League of Ireland chat actually as well. You know there were people who were at the uh, wedding who would kind of be aware of the podcast and aware of maybe the radio work and uh, a lot of chat about uh, League of Ireland and very favourable stuff as well people who wouldn't have been interested in it's not too bad you were in your your element so people knew who you were did they Johnny? Uh, the odd one now but like there are you know I'm I'm a ward from East Galway so I'm fairly well known you know (laughs) Um, so like Johnny yeah we're not going to keep you on for too long because obviously we need to get back to very important holiday business but we just thought we want to get your three the Johnny Ward's three holiday hot takes of the week just gone we had two European wins with a couple of other uh, I suppose a couple of European defeats round of fixtures I just think like we want to know what, what your your three big opinions of last week were John just get to the heart of the matter here for us um, I think it's, uh, first of all, very, very important that it worked out as it did. And to have Cork City going so close as well to pulling off a major shock, I think Cork will have huge regret because they'll know that they couldn't, on another year, they really should be winning that tie. Um, for the for the League of Ireland, I'm not sure how Cork would have gotten on against Rangers, to be honest. I don't think Cork are really at it this season, as we all see. Um, so it was great that the other two teams got through because when you were watching the penalty shootout in um, the Dundalk game, you, you had to just fear the way that the penalty were going. It was a bit like Federer missing his two match points. That like they they had two chances really to kind of go through having um you know Gary Rogers making saves and so forth. And I I thought Jamie McGrath the, you know the composure he showed in the circumstances with the delay of the penalty, the fact that he had to score, and the fact that the penalty um you know the kind of the spot was all smudged as well. I thought he was he was he was really really mentally strong. Okay. Yeah, so you know, Jamie, Jamie uh, McGrath composure is one hot take. We're not getting a lot of hot takes here. It's more of a monologue. Right? What, what else? Yeah, you, you, you uh, give, us, give, us some, yeah. give us some strong opinions from the week just gone, John. I think Dundalk, without knowing an awful lot about Carabag, I suppose, from what you see, I think Dundalk have to play an awful lot better. Um, but I think they can, if, given that McElhenney, um 
and you know Robbie Benson looked very rusty really on the night Michael Duffy wasn't playing so they're key players I think uh, they can play better uh, you know they're, but they're very much up against it I, I probably on Shamrock Rovers Dan I'd be more confident that they might get through because I, I think they, 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 they're probably just playing a little bit better in Europe than Dundalk but also I think Carabaig would just be better than uh, the, the Cypriot team that they're playing and that's just from my own sort of uh, limited enough knowledge but the, I suppose the main hot take of the whole lot is Jack Byrne when you think about the four goals they scored he had a hand in the mall if you remember the miss that Aaron Green had in the second half in Bran that was all down to a brilliant ball by Jack Byrne and you have to say Rover signing Jack Byrne has basically got them into the second round of, uh, of the next round of the Europa League because other other than Jack they probably wouldn't have gotten through and um, the, the, the one sort of real positive we can take from the whole thing is that it's not automatically assumed that he's straight on the way back to England even though he's clearly good enough to play um, at, at whatever level that is and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to watch Jack Byrne and I, I think Rovers will have real real hope that they can progress again uh, past Lemisol Yeah I saw some midnight sort of tweets that gone back and forth between yourself and Jack have you become sort of a mentor figure to him John? That, I no, he's a mentor to me. Actually. He's a mentor. To me. It's kind of like on when 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 you, when things go badly wrong in various jobs, eventually they can work out, you know. But um, <laughs> uh, he's a he's a, you know I I've only met Jack when he was on the podcast. You weren't in, unfortunately, that week down. I know you you've uh, gotten on well with Jack, but he's he's uh, he's a very likable lad. He's a proper Dublin townie, and uh, you know he's he's a very different upbringing to me from the inner city. But he's a very likable lad, and I. I don't know if I've seen a performance like that uh, in Tala the other night. I know he got the goal against UCD, but th- he's an extraordinarily talented player. And, uh, you know, th- there are a lot of comparisons, but he does basically run games. He's, he was, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Uh, and I, I, I was, you know, you were privileged to be a League of Ireland fan to watch him. You'd actually, you'd actually be disappointed that there's not an international game coming up very soon, wouldn't you? you know, mm. like a, a really important one. You'd, you'd, you'd love to see, to test Mick McCarthy. Would he actually throw him in? I mean, like again, non-League of Ireland fans would say it's outlandish. He went to England and he failed and all of that kind of stuff and that he should be way down to pick an order behind others, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, Dan. Uh, I think it's a bit different with Jack. I think actually even the non-League of Ireland fan, they still remember Jack as being the, uh, yeah, the Man City, Camber, yeah. Golden Boy. And there's always, there's always a, a certain type of Ireland fan that always gets in touch with me, say, on Twitter and stuff like that, that there's a man-of-the-moment yeah. player that they're obsessed with. So it was Danny Crowley last year because he's off in Holland doing something or there was times where it was Kelly and Sheridan or someone who's abroad and doing something in a different league a more exotic league in some respects I think because Jack has been there I think people almost recognise that Jack's here because he's made I mean, mistakes or things haven't gone out but no one really doubts his ability I don't think anyone really doubts Jack Byrne's ability like if, I suppose you if, know? If, if, if you look at the, the, the most recent international performances and if, if you write down the prototype of what is this team missing like you're literally writing down a description of Someone Jack Byrne. It's exactly what you're yeah. writing down. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we, like the only excuse for not throwing him in is, you know, is he doing it at a high enough level? And now he's doing it at European level, not just League of Ireland level. Mm. So look again, yeah, there's can be a tendency, you know, Pat Hoban scores a few goals, we want Pat Hoban in the team, all uh, this that kind of thing, but. I don't know. I, I yeah, really the, the, Huben, is... the Huben thing, Shane, as well. Like, Huben, I don't think many people in the League of Ireland ever thought that, you know, Huben would, would kind of get into the Ireland setup because it is a different level. But you should be able to recognise a talent that is clearly just playing in a level that, um, 
is is the level that he's at for for a reason that has nothing to do with his own ability. And Jack Burns is that player. You can see it in his in his technical ability and his 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 basic ability to run games. But I think you know Daniel Lewis. I I did send him a couple of messages just saying well done and all that. But uh, he was he got back to me and he was really complimentary of not only the quality of the Rovers team but the quality of their coaching staff. And he said it's a really really good setup here. And I think Rovers should be proud of the the, the way they're going off the pitch because they are building into a proper club. And looking at Tala the other night, they could fill it out on Thursday. Um, it'll seem like a proper football club there with a proper um, kind of environment and he's playing in Europe he wouldn't be playing in Europe if he were playing in England mm. Have you reached a decision on your Baku or Ballybrit dilemma John just finally where will you be next week I yeah, mean, can this it's, week it's a, next week it's a tough anywhere. one I know, I know we, we had a bit of a banter about this Dan that you had five was it five European uh, countries that you hadn't visited of the 55 I think that's the well, that's it yeah yeah so I'm trying yeah, to and five UA for countries five UA for countries yeah, yeah. I'm not sure they're in all so, of Europe not, not unrecognised places like Nagorno-Karabakh um, which mm. is actually um, where Karabakh originally hailed from but that's part of the reason I want to go over there because it's Azerbaijan's going to be a fascinating place um, I don't think we're going to get to the ghost town that the club is actually born out of because it was basically another Chernobyl in No the I was reading up on it last night John I think it'd be a bit ambitious Yeah yeah, yeah. It's it, it. It sounds a bit like some of those towns you go through in the Midlands on the way home to Galway. Um, you know, every now and then. But um, more, I, more I, to the I, point, Brit could never survive without you, could it? Ah, jeez, I don't know. I, I'm just getting a bit too old for Galway, Shane. To be honest, I, 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 you could go there for maybe a couple of days, but you know, the way I feel this morning now after that wedding weekend, I'm not sure how much of Galway I can do. John, so I'm, yeah. ang- I, I'm angling towards uh, Baku. But Dan, I'm going to make a plea. I do need work. I'm a freelance journalist. Uh, I need to pay for something. This trip. is this is shameless. This is shameless. I must say though, a thousand euro cost over there, like you know, between flights, accommodation, and um, you know, a couple of beers with my fellow journalists and all that. Johnny did go through a phase of bringing back a new girlfriend from the Galway races every year, so I'm kind of wondering what he'd bring back from Baku. But anyway, (laughs) see in the background here actually. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, I have a great show. I think uh, I just hope Dan that Dundalk are still very much in the tie because I I I, I do. I do think Carabag are going to be a major, major step up. And I, Dundalk haven't gotten going in Europe, offensively anyway. Okay. Well, listen, I don't know what you've got planned for the rest of the day, John, but we'll leave you to it. Very important business. And uh, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to having you back. Actually, I don't know where you'll be next week. You might have to, might have to do it from Baku, depending on how Dundalk got on in the first leg. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. If you give it. me two weeks in a row, Johnny, you're never getting the seat back. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, right. for, thanks for the call, lads. See you, John. Good Take luck. care. So that's Johnny Ward there. I should mention, by the way, we are an association as ever with Airsport and Independent.ie and you can find us on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc. at LOI Weekly on Twitter and I suppose we'll take any reviews. We don't have any prizes for reviews now. We're just looking on your... Your generosity, Shane. Johnny's having a good time anyway. Johnny Ward, friend of the stars, isn't he? Yeah. Firing, firing text forward and back with, with Irish, uh, Irish, soon to be Irish star uh, Jack Byrne if we get our way. But uh, he, he slipped in Roger Federer's name there at one stage and I was really, really expecting him to say he had been exchanging texts with Roger Federer at that stage. Johnny's one of these people who use his WhatsApp on a laptop, right? <laughs> so if you ever like, you're near Johnny's laptop, you just see like a variety of figures <laughs> of the football <laughs> racing world just getting, all right, kid, and all these messages. And then he, like, he doesn't even read any of the responses. Oh, yeah. Sort of uh, six conversations going at once. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. And sometimes when he's on the pod, there's around six conversations going on at once as well. But we'll try and have a slightly more structured operation this week when he's not here. So we do have some guests. So um, we've got John Sullivan, currently of Crumlin, but sort of well known League of Ireland midfielder, defender. Like yeah, versatile, played for a number of clubs. And we've got Will Clark as well, the uh, director of football at St. Joseph's Boys and Academy Director at Brave. So you're very welcome, lads. Cheers, lads. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we were, we were, I suppose we were talking briefly there just with Johnny about last week we had uh, Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers progression in Europe. I mean, Johnny, you know, it's a big time of the year for the league, the European games. I don't know if you, if you maybe saw any of the matches or what, what you got a sense of what happened, but obviously um, positive news that Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers at least have got through around. Yeah, it's massive. It gives us, again, as fans, something more to look forward to. And quarterback, fantastic opponents. We've seen them last year. You know, it'll be interested to see what our top team can deal against the best teams in Europe. Mm. You, you, um, you'd obviously got on quite well with Andy Boyle. Andy Boyle, when I think when he came home, he mentioned had he because you're you obviously work in a gym as well. So yeah. you started putting Andy Boyle and Richie Tile to her paces a bit. It was a just a nice day like today, and we said let's get the balls and cones out and do a conditioning session. Mm. And funnily enough, a few people were like, oh, where's Andy going, Richie? We didn't even talk about football. Yeah, just kick the ball, condition and work, and that was it. Like yeah. two days later, I think he signed for. They must, be both, they must be both fairly happy with the moves they've both ended up with. I know they're very different moves, but they must both be happy with, with the outcomes, I'd imagine, are they? Yeah, last I spoke to her, yeah. extremely happy. They had other move, um, other offers and you know, weighed the pros and cons and said happiness is, is what they're looking for. Because mm. saying, look, I mean, I thought last week in the Dundalk, in the Dundalk match over in Riga, like Sean Hoare got the plaudits, and, and rightly so, he did very well. But I think Andy Boyle's presence even when he came on in the first leg, it sort of just goes to show that if good players become available like that, you still sort of have to go for them. There was nothing wrong with what's there. There still is nothing wrong with what's there. They've got excellent centre-halves, but I just thought Boyle's presence was still very significant. Absolutely. They have an incredible array of centre-halves, really, when you look Mm. at it now. I mean, you're talking about, I don't know, have they four of the top six centre-halves nearly in the league? You know, they really, Mm. really have some outstanding centre-halves. And it is a headache, but, I mean, he'll be cute about it, Vinny and and, and Gillard. They'll... They'll, they'll they'll pick their, their their horses for certain races and that and I mean they didn't throw Andy straight in I think he did sit in the bench for, yeah, for one or two weeks. games he played, didn't he? They, they played him up in Derry I think just to get some minutes get the sharpness into him and that but I I'd say the lads are clever enough that they you know I'd say there's a long term plan I'd say if you ask them for three games down the road what the parent is going to be there and what the parent is going to be there you know I'd say they knew exactly that I'd say they'd pinpointed from a couple of weeks off. That, that Andy Boyle was going to start this one, um, and yeah, look, he was he was absolutely excellent. I mean, as you say, uh, and the problem I suppose that the other centre halves now are going to have is that himself and Hoare look a really good balance. Mm. They look a very very good. Even balance. though they might normally both play left side potentially, but they they've they've managed. They're, they're, they're talented enough to make it work, I guess. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm so, more so talking maybe about the, their strengths and weaknesses as, as players, maybe more mm. so than a right foot, left foot combination thing. Um, but look, I mean, whichever two of the, the, the four that they go with at the moment, they're, you know, there is, they're, you know, they're probably. They always is. look composed, regardless of the opposition. Like you never see either of them make a bad tackle or a, a last ditch tackle. They're just constantly chilling. Mm. I like Rolls Royces. Um, well, we were speaking a bit just before you came in there about Shamrock Rovers as well. And you're someone who's very much on top of the schoolboy football scene and would have been on top of the schoolboy football scene for the last 10, 15, 20 years yeah. in the sense of uh, Jack Byrne. Jack Byrne's name, I assume, as someone involved with Joey's, Jack Byrne's name comes onto your radar as, as someone that was with another club. Yeah. But um, how good was he? Uh, Jack was always great I actually remember it's funny because we were only just talking in the club there last week Um, I think Kevin's Kevin's and Joe's were probably the the top two teams in that age group sort of all the way through Um, now Kevin's would have been better than us but we were probably next best you know Yeah. but I remember down the Noggin one it was a Sunday morning I think it was only nine aside and I think uh, he scored a last minute winner you know and again like that too Jack being Jack at that that young age you know we sort of ran up and down to Joe's sideline (laughs) sort of rubbing in a little bit you know but it was a brilliant goal but 
But again, if you look at like Rowers and that last week and, and, and Dundalk, I think it was great. Obviously, the two clubs going through, but you know, you need players with the, I suppose, the, the quality of Jack Bourne to maybe like unlock, hmm. you know, defences at that level, if you know what I mean. You know, I think if you look at Irish teams in general, we're fairly functional, well structured, but when we step up to that level, you know, you need that star quality uh, that obviously Jack possesses and that, you know, so um, I, thought, I thought last week, certainly in the, the, the home toy, I thought he was excellent against Brown. Mm. If we don't have a huge amount of players like that, I mean, someone like Brandon Cavanagh springs to mind as someone who has a bit of those yeah. cr- creative qualities as well. Um, but I don't know, you, you would do a lot of analysis of like, yeah. you know, the, the, the underage yeah. scene in Ireland. I don't know how we're fixed in terms of players of that quality coming, yeah, through, see, the, coming through the ranks. Like, Again, it's difficult because, to be honest with you, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, probably, you know, probably slightly controversial. But sometimes I think, you know, young players are coached too much, mm. you know, and you know, you have to, you know, you have to allow them the opportunity to be creative and use their imagination and to improvise and things like that, you know. And and it's something that we always sort of try and speak to uh, the coaches in the club. You know, you don't want to coach that rawness out players if you know what I mean it's very much like the scripted isn't it yeah. even when you play against them you're yeah. kind of like oh, I know what they're going to do next yeah. and mm. it's, it's like when you go to England like, and you're watching an academy game like, and it's like it's like watching 22 robots mm. do you know what I mean the left foot will get on the ball and you know what he's going to do you know and, and that's why I think sometimes lads when they go over from here a little bit later you know they're not they're still not that polished if you like you know and they'll give you know maybe English clubs something a little different if you like you know because I think lads coming through their system over there because they've been in like academy football all the way through as John said, like it's a, it is a little scripted, you know. So, I think as a coaching community, it's very important not to overcoach players, um, you know, because sometimes I think you can coach that that uh, create like creativity out of them. Yeah, I mean, John, that's in, what do you make of that? Because you, you're you're showing interest in going down the the coaching road as well, and 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 you've been away too. So, what would your opinion be on that subject? I completely agree. Like, there's players you play against, so you're watching. You're like, I know what they're gonna do. You know where the ball's gonna go in the next three moves. And you come up against a Jack Bourne or a Keith Ward and you're like, this wasn't in the script. I don't know what they're going to do. They step over, twirl. It's like watching six-year-olds get a ball out in the street. Mm. They can just do anything. And like Will was saying, if it's not scripted, of course it's creative and we're, we're in awe. But to them it's nothing. You, you bring up um, Brandon Cavanagh's name. Like you'd, you'd love to think that he has the wherewithal to... You know, say to Jack, you know, can you show me this or can you do a little bit of this with me or that kind of thing. I think, but just on the broader topic of talking about coaching, coaching doesn't necessarily always have to come from the coach. Um, like when when I was at Galway, say, we would have had a young player, well, yeah, he was reasonably young, say, Parry Cunningham coming through, right? And Podge had loads of ability, but he was raw, right? And then you had Ronan Murray landed on the scene. Ronan was in a couple of weeks and he would have come to me then after a training session. Uh, and and he, like it came from him, not from me. Yeah. He said, "Listen, do you mind if I grab the balls and do ten minutes with Podge on a bit of movement? His movement is is a bit raw." Like he, he yeah. And I said, "Happy days." <laughs> so you've got a fella whose movement Ronan was on fire, obviously at the time. You've got a fella whose movement is superb and is in his you know second half, his twenties, and understands the game more. Taking the balls, taking a young player, and saying, "Here, come on, we'll go and do ten minutes here. I'll show you a couple of things that I think you could do a little bit better." I mean, if you've got Jack Byrne doing that with Brandon Kavanagh I mean that accelerates to me that accelerates do you think Jack would be able to do that though in the sense that is it very natural to him could he explain what he does this is what I'd like to know when I watch watch football or sport in general I ask that the question I would love to know what's going on inside the mind of that person right now Mm. you know everyone uses football IQ you're like is it IQ we don't we haven't asked him the question if we haven't asked him the question he could be just possibly following the instructions of the coach yeah I I think it's very hard to to coach to be honest with you and again I, you know, 
I think like it's um, the important thing is not to coach it out of a player if you like you know like, mm. and I think you know uh, I think it's really important just to encourage those lads like and you know you, like you know you don't you just let them get on it basically if you know what I mean you, let, you sort of take the shackles off and you know give them free reign to, to be creative and that you know and um, and it does appear that that's what Stephen has done. He yeah, does seem to be yeah. setting up a system that effectively he's able to say to to Jack, "Look, Jack, go and within reason, go and do your own thing." Um, I remember being in in Tala for the Rovers Dundalk game a few weeks yeah. back. The one where Rovers were very good in the first half and Dundalk still, still it. somehow that's, lost that's, it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, still somehow lost it. But like he was nominally playing on the right yeah. that day, and I was sitting in the stand on the left. And the amount of balls he picked up, kind of five, ten yards off the left hands, off the left sideline, was was just amazing. And there's 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 a freedom in it, but there's also structure within that freedom because you can see Ronan Finn's eyes kind of shift into the right as much as say, okay, I'm going to need to cover over there for him now if that breaks down. Um, but you you have to credit Stephen for you know I think initially everybody was saying you can't maroon Jack out on the right, but he's he's anything but marooned out on the right really yeah but, and, and the nature of having those players in your team like you know there is always going to be an element of frustration because you're not going to you know they're not going to do it every every single time to get on the ball or whatever you know so again I think that's where the coach or whatever the manager's got to you know obviously make allowances for that you know and it's um, and again that's getting away from the being overly structured as a, like, as a team and that you know and um, you know because it's uh, it certainly can be frustrating at times like if you know if they don't have a great game or whatever and but when it comes down to it you look at the game the other night it was a massively important moment in the toy and to be fair you look at the technical ability and you know the way he sort of you know improvised or whatever and for me it was probably the you know the, the most significant part over the two games yeah, that that particular moment you know because mm. we spoke about the Ireland thing earlier and it's, it's maybe I even spoke to Jack after it's not fair maybe that so he does well and everyone's straight away going what about Ireland what about your next move like he's actually enjoying his football now so maybe he just needs to do that people for, actually forget that about, about athletes you know yeah. they have to be happy we have to be happy as humans mm. it's not about going chasing something else that isn't on yeah. their agenda yeah. even recently when I spoke to him he was like I'm happy thumbs up you know I'm happy yeah happy. I think that's, there's a lot to be said for that because I think in some respects you can see how he's developing and if he keeps going the way he is all that will come anyway I think you know he doesn't necessarily need to, to force or agitate for that to happen if he keeps doing what he's doing it'll come but the point I was going to make we, we spoke about the Irish thing is that and we had Kevin Kilban in a couple of weeks and he, he's watched a fair bit of Jack and his point would have been uh, sort of slightly critical in the sense that he felt there was times in games where Jack was just too much trying to drop get the ball off the centre halves wasn't being effective and I wonder with the Irish thing when he was in in March that he seemed to be put in the same bracket as Josh Cullen who was in who actually does operate a bit deeper for his club and I think the argument with Jack is if you can just get him in the opposition half and 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 I know, I know he likes to drift no, I, I and agree. he he wants to because he, he just he always wants to be on the ball but there is maybe is still an element of, of coaching there a small bit to almost say yeah, impact I, the game in those areas I, I, I think what he needs to do is he needs to be really really clever he needs to look at what do Ireland have at the moment what do Ireland not have at the moment okay because Jack let's be honest Jack can probably play in about you know any of the five positions if you're going in a 4-2-3 let's say he can play in any of the two or the three but to me Jack should be going Okay, what what do we need? What do Ireland need at the moment? They need Wes, right? I'm going to go and do my best Wes impression at every training <laughs> session that I'm called into from now on, and that probably then he would hope would force the manager's hand. Mm. You know, but I, know. I, I think as Sean said there, there's only so much that Jack can do. You know, and it's most important that he's happy. He's obviously enjoying that at Rovers at the minute. You know, he's come home, whatever. He sort of you know kickstarted his career again, and the only thing that Jack can do is just keep doing what he's doing, exactly. and that you know, and you know because it's not it's outside of his control to worry about. You know, Mick McCarthy or anyone else. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So if it's, you know, 
once he keeps doing what he's doing or whatever, and you know he's he's happy in himself, or whatever you know, and he keeps producing, you know, on the pitch. Well, then obviously you know it's up to other people to to, to make the decision as to where he's going to end up. Lads, just before we move on, I should run through the results from last week. Um, we had Waterford on Friday losing one 0 at home to Finn Harps. That was on air. Derby City keeping up their impressive form, three 0 win at home to Sligo Rovers. Uh, Bowes beat St Patrick's like three 0 on Sunday. I'm going to come back to you on that, John, because I know you were there. Uh, Shamrock Rovers seven, UCD nil. So um, no damage for Rovers trying to play two games or play a game between two European ties. Uh, and then in the first division, we also had Athlone 1, Shelburne 2, Cabin Tealy 2, Longford 0, Galway 2, Bray Wanderers 2, Limerick 1, Drada 4, and then on Saturday, we had Cove Ramblers 1, Wexford 1. You were at that game, Shane, I think, were you? I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, look, shit, no more than the lads, I'm sure you'd be trying to get a game in most weekends, so you wouldn't know, so I was at a geek on Friday night. So Saturday night was uh, was the night that I managed to get some soccer in. So yeah, I went down in that direction. I hadn't seen a huge amount of first division games this season. I think I'd only been seen two others up until then. So yeah, I took a spin down that direction. It wouldn't be a million miles away from where I am. Take a match in. And um, yeah, look, it was decent. I'd say Cove would be, be disappointed, probably. They're, they're having a reasonably good season, so they are. And um, obviously Wexford have been struggling at home to them, you would have thought. And they were well on top. Tip kind of the uh, very regular pattern that you see in soccer they were well on top until they scored and then after they scored for some reason they kind of went very much back into their shell and uh, awful mistake unfortunately for the for the Wexford goal and Wexford at least deserved a draw in the end if mm. not Danny, Danny actually Danny got a goal as he does but he, he actually missed a very good chance in the second half as well probably the best chance of the game that, that could have seen Wexford actually win the game yeah? Well you're very much around the scene at Bray it's just just results in recent weeks just they can't get any consistency going yeah. just, it just seems to be a bit of stop start very yeah, much so the, look to be fair the performances have actually been quite good and that you know like and again I just think we're probably you know maybe lacking in the, the final tour or whatever just having that cutting edge and you know it's um, as I say the performances have been you know quite quite good but you know you get a win or two and then all of a sudden uh, sudden if it's a you know maybe a draw or a defeat or whatever you know so it's, it has been hard to, to get a little bit of, like, of momentum going and that you know but Look, from Bray's perspective or whatever, uh, you know, this year wasn't necessarily about what happened on the pitch, which is obviously very important. But from uh, from the overall objective of the club, it's just to, to stabilise it. And obviously John's been there in the past and it's been, uh, you know, uh, eventful, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> But it's able to John be, smiling here. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very hard to sum it up in one word. I think to be fair, isn't it? it? Yeah. But to yeah. be fair to, to Noel and that, and the, the people who come in with him, and you know, all the volunteers around the club, and that you know, like it's uh, it's just about steadying the ship this year and. You know, laying the foundation for the future success of the club and that, you know, and it's, um, you know, I, I think, as I say, the, you know, Gary's been a little bit unlucky in terms of the results. Um, you know, we've sort of dominated a lot of games and again, just, you know, missed chances or, you know, just the bounce of a ball, you know, it's mm. uh, it's been the difference between sort of maybe drawing games and, and winning games and that, you know, but it's uh, but overall it's been a decent season and that. And, and to be fair, we're still within touching distance of the playoffs. So. Yeah, 27 points. A gap is sort of fun. A gap has just suddenly opened up between fourth and fifth here, but uh, I suppose it can all turn. You know, you have to get a bit of momentum going, though. But, and I see, that's the thing. Like, it's, uh, again, like I went down to see Kevin Teeley the other night against Longford and that, you know, and to be fair to Kevin Teeley, like, you know, they've got an experienced uh, backroom staff there with the looks of Devo and Eddie Gormley and, you know, Eddie Wallace is around and, um, you know, so that, those lads know what it takes to get out of first division and that, you know, like, and they're, you know, they're really well set up, very organised, and to be fair, they've got one or two uh, really good players up top and that, you know, and um, obviously Rob Manning's had a good season mm. uh, in terms of the number of goals he scored and that, you know, so it's, um, you know, but if you look at it, you know, like, maybe bar shells in the last maybe sort of 12 games, everybody's sort of being slightly inconsistent, so yeah. that would still give you hope that if you can put 
a run of three or four yeah, games well, together, you know, that you might still creep in or whatever. Absolutely. Like you say, it's, it's, it's seven points and seven points, you know, you are looking and going, that's quite a gap. But then immediately you look at the weekend's games, not to go too far ahead, but you look at the weekend's games and Bray at home, Pat Lone, Bray would be hoping to win that. And then they're looking at Cabin Teeley way to draw it, thinking mm. there's a good chance Drogheda could do him a favour. And all of a sudden, you know, you're potentially looking at the table the following morning and it's back to four again. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've, all, we've got Limerick, Cove, Shells, Wexford and Saturday, Longford, Galway, just if people don't know the other fixtures. But yeah, it can change, can change quickly, I guess. Um, I saw them, um, I saw them up, uh, away to Athlone and um, they were very impressive that night, Brave. Very, yeah. very impressive. I mean, when you go through the personnel within the team, it, it is, it's, it's, it's an impressive lineup. So it is, you know, not just. Keegan but Milaid, you know, you've got two very good young centre halves in, in, in Killian Cantwell and Sean Heaney as well. It's you know, it's 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 a it's a decent side. And in fairness to Gary, I mean it's what Gary's first full season, he yeah. didn't have a full season last season. He's going to be learning on the job as well, so he is. And I think whether he gets up or not this year, as you say, this yeah. year is probably more so for him and the club about right. Let's put ourselves in a position where we can really, really go the following year. Absolutely, and it's just about laying the foundations and bringing a little bit of stability to the club. And then, obviously, you know, you'd hope that recruitment, you know, guys will sort of, you know, obviously the team and the squad will evolve, obviously, over time. And that, you know, so it's a. Uh, so now, look, you know, as I say, obviously, you want to be there, thereabouts come the end of the season. And from our point of view, it'd be great to be involved in the playoffs and that and see where it takes you. But, um, but certainly this year, it's just about sort of steadying the ship. Johnny, you missing the involvement as a League of Ireland player? You had your wedding coming in the, what was that last month? Yeah. Still got a bit of a wedding shine, a bit of sheen off you there. <laughs> but uh, I know, I know, I spoke to you at one point, and you said maybe when you didn't get fixed up before the start of the season, you were sort of going to concentrate to a degree on that, and you're back with Crumlin. But are you tempted to come back into the league? Is it something that would interest yeah, of you? Of course, I, I couldn't um, turn a, a good option down. It's a fantastic league, and like I tell everyone, you're, you're probably insane if you don't want to play in it. You know, when you're playing sport, you don't want to play the top level, there's, there's something missing there. So, yeah, if I got a good option, of course, I'd go back. Would that extend to the first division as well, though, or would you be sort of very much thinking you want to go back in the Premier, or would you would you listen to a first division offer? Um, yeah, I, I love meeting new people, and I love having conversations, but for me, it may sound very di- different, but I like to see the environment before I'm going to go into it. last thing I want to do was agree to something that myself and Whoever's in charge, we just have different values, and you know, again, I'm. <laughs> they say beggars can't be choosers, but I'm all about happiness, and you know, I want to be happy wherever yeah, I go. It makes perfect sense. Like, I, I, thankfully, I can refer back to a piece of work that shows that I'm not just saying it because you're sitting opposite. But, but I went to the the get out of contract game that night, and I actually did did a, a times piece on the back of it, and and John was the best player on the pitch that night. Absolutely, mm. was the best player, and I wrote so I wrote that the, the following day in in the article. I mean, you say, you know, Premier, First Division, whatever about the Premier, you look at those four teams, five teams that are battling for promotion out of the First Division, like, there's probably only a handful of players available at the moment who are game changers in terms of genuinely increasing your chances of going up. Mm. And John absolutely falls into into that bracket. Like, I, I, I'll be cheeky, John, and, and throw it at you that, like... You're you're a player. Even when you talk talking here, you're a player that knows his mind, for want of a better way of of, of putting it. Like you, you think sometimes our managers looking and going. Oh, I, talk, I, I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm but, deadly serious. I, I don't doubt my ability. Like any team I've played for, I've played. When fit, I've played. That's mm. a fact. See, I'm, I'm looking for the outside. Maybe I just I'm, speak too much. I'm I look, ask too many questions. But well, I was. You've literally taken the words out. I, I, I'm looking from the outside, and I'm going. How, how can one of the top five teams in the first division not have made a move? And then you look at coaching, and you look at managers, and 
it's uncomfortable to be questioned. It's uncomfortable to have to explain why you're telling people mm. to do what they want to do rather than just telling them and then they do it. And I think managers know that if John's in the dressing room, he probably is. When they say do that, he probably is going to say why instead of doing it. I just and I I generally like information. Have you had meetings with managers? No, I'm not going to go into individuals. No, but very, very have little. Have chats? Where very little. No? No. And I see it. We talk about coaching and Will said it's a very difficult game. It is. It's very difficult. Um, because we're not coaching a specific thing in a sport or a specific sport. We're coaching people. And like you're saying, I very rarely see one-to-ones or actual communication. And for me personally, I just need to know the objective of the session. Because one day I want to be a coach. I am now. Well, I think myself as a coach. But I'd like to be able to explain something to somebody yeah. if I'm going to coach them. So I'm going through an exercise. Of course, I like think it's relatable to the game. So if I can understand it, it helps me then come Friday. And you see, you see, I would argue it's a good thing because I've said it at, at team meetings at the start of a season when you come in at a new club or even just the start of a new season at, at the same club, I've said to players, you've, you've got you to be concerned with. Me as manager has got 20 of you to be concerned with. So at times... I might forget to give you your fair share of the pie in terms of one-on-one time with me and enough feedback from me. So you take the bull by the horns. You come to me and say, here, listen, you haven't given me any feedback in the last week or two. Can we have a sit down there and can you give me a few bits and pieces? Mm. It, it needs to come from the player. The manager, he, you might think he's ignoring you. He's not ignoring you. He just has 101 things going on and he hasn't thought to give you the bit of feedback that you want. So instead of going, oh, he hasn't spoken to me or he hasn't given me any kind of tips in the last couple of weeks or he's not telling me why I'm out of sight, take the bull by the horns and be the person who goes, goes to him. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I think it's definitely a good thing in John's case. I, I, I just throw it out there is... Yeah, are, people, are some people possibly... Might think it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But at the same time, I look, try to look at it as a positive. You know, everything happens for a reason. And maybe this will bring me to a different path. Coaching or whatever else. Are mm. you enjoying it? Yeah, I enjoy it. Really enjoy it. I enjoy working with people in general. Like mm. that question there, what goes on in someone's mind during a scenario? I ask that all the time. And you're fascinated when you hear an answer. Yeah. Some are like, don't know. You're kind of like, okay, and you're a defender. <laughs> right. Well, can you relate to that from dealing with players and I, sort of, you know the yeah. different personalities who think and don't think or whatever it might yeah, be? Yeah, look, to be honest with you, like I think, um, you, know, and, you know, I don't mean this about uh, John per se, but, you know, there's certainly a thing now whereby managers and coaches, you know, don't necessarily like dealing with you know, difficult players, and I'm not for a second saying that John's a difficult player, but I'm just saying in general. Oh, but there's some I am. There's some yeah. I am. That's that's a fact. Everyone has their opinion. But but mm. but even at, like at, like you know you know the younger ages, if you know what I mean, like you speak to lads, whatever, and they're involved with teams and that, you know, and saying, "Geez, he's hard work that lad." I was like, but, "But you know, people are you know that's that's what coaching is. Like you're dealing with a personality, whatever you know, and it's too easy just to dismiss people. Mm. And they dismiss people just you know because." You know, they might be challenging or whatever. And, and, and to be honest with you, and again, I say this against myself sometimes, you know, people don't necessarily like to be challenged all the time, if you like, you know. And, you know, and the one thing about, obviously, and Shane, you know, will probably, uh, you know, uh, attest to this. But when you're a manager in the league, you know, you're not just necessarily concerned with, you know, the team and the session. There's probably a million, million and one other things going on in the background. And, you know, you might not have the, the headspace for it or whatever. And then all of a sudden you have a player coming over and you're saying, did this lad ever give me a break? Do you know what I mean? I'm, you know. <laughs> But, and, and that's just, you know, I don't know whether or not Shane no, would, I, would agree with that, whatever, I, you know, because there's I, so much going on in the background and that, you know, and again, because, you know, we're largely, even the full-time teams, we're sort of still operating in part-time setups, if you like, even though the team, you might have a team of full-time players or whatever, from a manager's point of view, and in terms of the structures of the club, there's probably very few clubs in the league that are, you know, that would have the support network and, you know, 
uh, to make sure that the manager is just focused on the uh, performance of the team. Yeah, 100%. Like, unfortunately, the phrase that comes to mind is a, a player who might be inquisitive and he would deem himself to be inquisitive, the manager's phrase would be, he'd fry your head. Mm. You know, <laughs> busy. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And look, as you say, you've definitely hit the nail on the head in terms of the manager has 101 other things going on. But if the player comes to the manager, then the onus is on the manager. Absolutely. If it's not directly him, yeah. it's maybe it's if, is is the is the the fall down in fitness. We're right. Let's get the fitness coach on it. Is it on technique? Okay, let's get let's get first team coach on it or Arona Murray on it if it's a, a striker, mm. whatever. And, and, I, and I would genuinely love to think that at these organisations, not League of Ireland, everything that does constantly coaches meetings once a week again, like a business. If we have a once a month, it's too late. Something happened three weeks ago. But once a week, how are those three doing? And your job today is those three and those four. Because mm. again, one person can't do everything. We have to delegate. Delegate. But well, speaking of good coaching, lads, and I suppose good news stories, um, because we've had enough bad news stories in Irish football lately, and, and we are going to probably discuss some of them, because I know, Will, you were at the recent workshop, which actually made more of a positive gathering. Yeah, but absolutely. you know, it's, it's still stemming out of a bad spell. But we do have an Irish under 19 side in the European semi finals this week. And John, I saw you put out a tweet about Tom Moen, oh, yeah. that you'd, you'd worked with him as a coach at some stage, and we'll have a discussion. I mean, this is a great story. I mean, this is an Irish, for people maybe who are just following the results, but they may not be aware that, I mean, this Irish under 19 team is missing some of the for upwards of like 10, 12 players who would be in the squad. So actually, it's not really an Irish under 19 team. It's an Irish under 19 team with under 18, under 17 in terms of the ages. And I think, like Tom Mowen doesn't have a, we had Tom in here previously, he's not someone who would ever be described as brash or someone who sort of, you know, screams from the rooftops. And I don't think you're going to have people going around trying to put Tom name Tom Mowen's name forward for something or anything like that when actually another manager that brought a team to a semi-final do you imagine there'd be a different hype around them but he's done exceptionally well and his staff of course as well too John you worked with Tom Mowen what was your impressions of him I think you said almost less is more to some degree yeah I remember he was with the home base side when I was like 15 15, 16 I couldn't get into the senior the international side again but to some I wasn't good enough and he would just have a small conversation. He'd just watch it, observe everything. He'd always be smiling. He'd literally physically put his arm around you. You know, he'd be like, how are you? And how are you feeling? And if you've done something, he'd be like, right, fantastic, keep doing that. And why not try this into your game? It was once he played in the foil cup, I made a run. Semi-final, I was offside. And I scored, but I was offside. And he says to me straight after, do that three times a half, you'll score a goal. Done again a final, but I scored. But only when he said that to me, I was like, okay. Mm. that's something new I can add to my game and luckily enough then I was got to work with him in the 17s and like I, I tweeted like I remember very little of what he said but he always made you feel good you know mm. you walk around on your toes your chest is up it was just the the energy he'd give off mm. well what's this mean for well, you, you yeah it's great there, Will, so well, to be fair like if you like um, I had the you know the, the, the pleasure of working with Tom and I worked for the FAO and that you know and he's a, a brilliant person and that you know and he's uh, always has time for everybody and, and for me that's the key to certainly underage development give kids confidence it's as simple as that you know if you if you instill confidence in a kid you know it's better than a whole season of, of sessions if you know what I mean so mm. if, if a kid comes into your environment whatever and he feels confident to, to, you know, play his game, obviously within little sort of structures or whatever, you know, you'll get the best out of him. And again, if you look at, you know, what Stephen Kenny has done, obviously with the 21s, you know, relatively overnight, uh, again, I, I, you know, I know Stephen say a lot, I wouldn't know him personally, but speaking to some of the lads who are away, you know, they, they loved it, if you like, you know, because he gave them, he gave them that confidence. Tom is the same, excuse me, is the same. 
Uh, and when you you know when you go all the way down to the, the the international managers, you know we've got some brilliant people involved in football in this country and that you know. And unfortunately, they're not the ones who make the, the headlines. But when you look at it, like I think sixteen of the the, the squad are actually Irish based. Or sorry, Irish born. born. So they've yeah. come through our system here, you know. And for us to achieve what we constantly achieve, you know, sort of year after year, you know, like people working at underage level, be it schoolboy or in the uh, underage league of Ireland setups now, they're doing unbelievable work. You know, and we're absolutely punching above our weight, uh, weight given the, um, you know, the resource that we have available to us. Mm. You know, so it's a uh, look. It's great. You know, it's um, it's great to see the lads doing well, whatever you know. And um, as you say, there, it's probably you know, there's probably ten players that maybe, you know, if Tom was to to pick from uh, from everybody that he had available to him, uh, you know, that was eligible. You know, there there might have been maybe eight, nine, ten players that wouldn't be there this week. But again. I think I actually tweeted a couple of weeks ago. It was great that other lads have got an opportunity, yeah. and to be fair, the lads have taken it, you know. And again, that's part of their development now, you and know. That's a fantastic thing. That's a fantastic thing about sport. Yeah. And it, it actually upset me the first game. I don't know which commentator, commentator said it. Oh, if we only had, if we, and I was like, will you just shut up? Absolutely. Yeah. And focus on the positives. Let the let the kids play, like you know. That's clearly what Tom has done. Focused on the positives because you yeah. know the the players are playing with, with with such confidence and such freedom that I'd say he has never once mentioned. Yeah, I think so. I think I I, I think the lads over there. I know Mark Catton's over there, and one or two. I'm pretty sure I heard one of them say that like he he hasn't been saying it in interviews. And you you know that a certain type of manager, in a particular situation they will always accentuate the negative in the sense of, well, if I had those six players... Yeah. And we talk know, about confidence. If your own yeah. manager said, if only I had X, Y, and Z, you're like, all right, thanks. But this was the problem with Martin O'Neill's Ireland sometimes, that he constantly spoke about what players couldn't do. Yeah. And that's fine to a point, but, but, but it just became... Yeah. Again and again, and, and you can just imagine the players being the told all room. the time, "You're yeah. not, you're not that good," yeah. you know. And and the thing about it is, like, there's a lazy narrative, you know, out there that there's no players in Ireland. There's loads of players in Ireland, and the people who are saying that, you know, they've no experience in terms of Irish football. You know, they sit wherever they sit, not necessarily in this country, or whatever. They might come in and do punditry for RTE every now and again, and they say there's no players coming through. There's, there's plenty of players coming through. The thing about youth development is it's about opportunity, and to be fair to Stephen, to be fair to Tom. And the lads underneath them, they're giving players an opportunity now. There's a little bit of a pathway now. So, again, you promote the best players, the best 16, 17, 18 year olds. You know, again, going back to the, the Toulon tournament with Stephen Kenny, you know, I think when you looked at the Brazil squad, which was obviously a very, very good side mm. compared to the Irish squad, probably on, on, like on average, there was probably two years in the difference. Uh, you know, and the fact that we competed so well, and you have the looks of Jason Knight there, you know, who's probably Jason's a 2001, yeah. you know, playing against effectively like an under 22 team. So, there's definitely players there. I think the challenge for us is now, how do we sort of, you know, create the, the playing opportunities really for these lads to, to get them to the next level, you know? Mm. But, but we are, since the, the, the negative for us is they're a massive positive Troy Parra playing the weekend for sports senior team. Yeah. And many others will come like him. Mm. You know, so I don't think we should be giving out as much. We should be very, very happy. Oh, 100%. We've done our job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm saying. There's unbelievable work going on and that, you know, but sometimes people, I think, are a little bit late. You know, we know there's loads of players coming through. Mm. And even when you look at the reasons why the players aren't available for this particular tournament, yeah. it's because they're all involved with their first teams elsewhere for pre-season, which again is another massive positive. So all of a sudden, if you look at that uh, under-19 squad, now I know it's made up of lads from 99 and 2000, but there's probably 30 players there now that are sort of, you know, 35 players maybe, you know, playing at a really good level every week. And, that, you know, so again, the challenge for us is how can we get lads from the 19s now into the 21s and from the 21s into the, 
into the senior international team. Yeah, because well, we, we spoke a while back and probably go into it. It's obviously been a massive year for Irish football and probably a bad year for Irish football. Still, unfortunately, in the context of everything that's gone on above. Um, but you were you've been involved in some of the discussions that have taken place over the last period of time. You you put in a submission when when people were invited to make submissions. This was around the governance review yeah. group's submission, and there was obviously different types and and. Uh, you know, people went different ways with their submissions. You were involved in putting together one, which sort of laid out your bit of your vision. I mean, I read it; it was very good. Could you maybe outline maybe some of the key yeah, things look, you were looking? Look, I know it's a it's a broad topic, but yeah. as much as is, as well, look, as to be honest with you, like when they when they you know, I, I suppose when Sport Ireland the FEI sought you know um, submissions, you know, we basically sort of just decided, you know, well, look we all sort of have an opinion on it and we all think we, you know, we've an idea of what should happen. So, you know, if you're given an opportunity to change something, well, then take the opportunity. You know, there's, I think there's too many people that will just, you know, they'll moan and they'll give out, but they're not proactive about it. So, you know, it was actually myself and Keith Long. who Yeah, I was going to say, the, yeah, it was Keith Long that you worked with. Yeah, Yeah. so so we basically sent in a, a submission into the, 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 the governance re- review group. And, um, you know, so it's, um, but basically we're just outlining it again, I suppose the key things from from our point of view is that you know we wanted to give say a football perspective and as, as such, and not just necessarily um, a submission from administrators, mm. because every different faction within the game they all have their own sort of issues and their own points of view. You know, depending on where they sit uh, in the in the grand scheme of things. You know, so um, and just in relation to I suppose their submission or whatever, we were basically saying like you know that like now is the time you know to um, you know basically to not necessarily the separation of, you know, say high-performance football and grassroots football, but because you want to try and bring everybody together because everybody has a part to play for the greater good, if you like. But, you know, the one-size-fits-all to Irish football won't work anymore, mm. you know. So you can't, you know, you, you can't treat everybody the same. And I know I, I keep saying it, but even from a kid's point of view, there's two different types of kids. You've got kids who want to be footballers and then you've got kids who just love playing football. So you, you can't treat them the same, if you like, you know, because there's different needs there. Mm. Um so I suppose the basis of, from our point of view, you know, we would have had strong, strong opinions and beliefs in relation to, you know, how we think we can develop the, the game uh, as such. And then obviously, um, I suppose we would have had strong opinions and views as to, uh, I suppose, the organisational structure yeah. uh, in terms of uh, the FEI. And, you know, we probably felt that maybe the football voice was maybe missing from the, yeah. uh, you know, from, say, the, the old regime, if you like, the old structure. Um, so yeah, so yeah, and, and are you happy with what's happened now? Then over the last, I mean, did, were yeah. you happy with the final report that was produced, which has been approved effectively now? Yeah, look, I, I think the best thing to come of all this is that there's a, spot, a spotlight being shone on the whole, you know, the whole game effectively now, and that you know, and I think there is probably a willingness to change. Having read the governance report, I think it's uh, you know, obviously it's very specific in relation to the elections of of members and, and what have you. Um, but I think overall it's probably a fairly generic good governance report that could be implemented in any sort of organization if you like, mm. you know. Um and it is important to have those checks and balances there. Um, you know, because it does, you know, strong governance is, you know, an important part of operating a, a healthy organization and that, you know. So but uh, overall I think the the governance report was quite was quite good. Um and I think, you know, the fact that the uh, the, the numbers of people on the council has been increased to include for example, the players and you know the you know other different factions that yeah. wouldn't maybe have had a voice in the past. Um, I think that's been a, a positive as well. And like it, it's really really brilliant that 
will you know people who are so involved in the game like Will and Keith have taken the bull by the horns and and done that. I I would hope that Will's equivalent, if there's such a thing, or or people like Will and and Keith from outside of Dublin. I, I don't know who got submissions in, who didn't. I really yeah. hope that people from outside of Dublin got, got decent submissions in as well because it, from all my underage involvement, having been kind of down Kilkenny leash kind of area, what what works for a player in Dublin is very, very different to what works for a player outside of Dublin or even the, the Dublin catchment area, if you know what I mean. Um, and I think it's not that it's two separate pathways, but they are very, very Th- different that's a scenarios. Good point. That's a good point. I think that there's a danger that a lot of the debate around schoolboy football in Ireland is very Dublin-centric. And I think, yeah. you know, I think you were part of a discussion recently with your colleagues from Belvedere and St. Kevin's. It was, it was on, it was on uh, off the ball. It was, yeah. very, it was a very good discussion. But if I was to pick one criticism, it was like, it's just missing that, that small bit that of that ex- regional voice. That was exactly know? my thought on the back of it. Because you say that was an absolutely excellent discussion, so it was. But yeah, if you could have shoved, you know, somebody from another big city, a Cork or a Galway, and somebody from a middle of nowhere, as we call ourselves in, say, So what is the different challenge? What is, what is it there? You, you tell us what's the difference. Well, I suppose, the, I suppose the biggest problem outside, and it can still be a problem in Dublin as well, the biggest problem outside is that you need to make it more attractive to a 13, 14-year-old. I mean, to put it very bluntly, right, we would have had a kid down in my area and let's say he's he's the best soccer player in the county by a country mile, okay? And he's also the best hurler in the county by a long shot. All right, he could go three, four years around leash without anybody knowing he plays soccer, almost, if you know what I mean. He will be in the paper pretty much every weekend. Back page of it, after scoring the winning goal, all this, all this. He'll get unbelievable amount of coverage and, and pats on the back for doing well in hurling. He'll nobody will even hear of what he's doing in soccer. Okay, that that feeds into a chap's mindset. You know, mm. if he's getting to 16, 17, and now it's time to go one direction or the other, you know, that that that's a big problem, so it is. But, and and the amount the amount of really, really promising footballers who have been lost, I don't know if lost is the right word, but have ended up yeah. playing GEA. You uh, just mentioned Porter Cunningham. Yeah, well, Podge, there you are. Podge is, is, is yeah. even further down the yeah. track. But even, you know, but, you take it back, some of the Kilkenny senior hurling team, I mean, they were some of them were absolutely fantastic soccer players. David Clifford, by all accounts, the Kerry footballer was supposed to be an amateur. But what did they lack then? Did they lack, uh, you know, a, a, a national team, a team competing on a national level in their region, or what was it? I yeah, mean, so I'm I think some of the you. things have been fixed, yeah. I, yeah. Think, some yeah, of I, the like, I think the new structure, to be fair, has addressed a lot of those issues. And yeah. I think yeah. certainly, you know, like I think it's been brilliant. So, like overall, again, look, it's not it's far from perfect or whatever. It's not a common view. I mean, one of the points that would have been raised in that chat was the amount of trashings that have been handed out, which certainly isn't ideal. Yeah. But my argument would be, I'm just raising it. Well, well, what's this, what's the solution here? Yeah. You know, like. Well, I, I think the thing about it is, Dan, there, there's not really that many heavy defeats. To be fair, boy and large, the games have been really competitive and that you know. And, okay. and again, if I look at it from say a schoolboy point of view, if we were playing a team in the All Ireland from wherever around the country, you know. It would be highly likely that you would go down and win by double, uh, you know, uh, double figures. To be honest with you, for us to go down now, you know, with effectively the same group of players, obviously representing Bray Wonders now in the academy, and for us to go down and play Waterford, Club Kildare, you know, Sligo, whoever, Derry, Finn Harps, you know, for us to, you know, and again, it's not about results, but for us to even, you know, to get a draw of a game, we've got to perform well, you know. Mm. So like, it's it's definitely raised the standard in that, you know. And again, it's um, you know, so I think it's um. You know, I, I think some of the, the concerns that Shane had there, I think they've sort of largely yeah. been addressed by 
uh, the introduction of the, the underage leagues, uh, sort of certainly provincially, if you like, you know, uh, and it's definitely raised the, the, the standard and the, the bar in terms of, you know, the quality of play. And that's fair because I, I'm given my experience on underage football and my experience in underage football was before the underage leagues mm. came in. So yeah, that's, that, that's yeah. fair. It's definitely a huge, huge step in, in, in the right direction that there just needs to be it needs to be seen as a bigger thing, I suppose, really, is yeah. the, the way I'm trying to phrase it down. And, and like, the addition of, of Kilkenny Carlo, I know there was probably Brilliant. a lot of debate as to yeah. whether they should be in or not, considering there's no League of Ireland side there. But from being around that area, that's been absolutely fantastic for, for, for soccer in the area. It really, really has. Um, well, I think that's positive. I mean, uh, the point I was going to come to on Will a second ago was, yeah, I mean, the, the DDSL, though, have gone back to a winter league. Yeah. In terms of, does that present complications now for someone involved with a League of Ireland club? Not really. Look, it, it would be preferable if the two seasons were aligned, um, you know, so... You feel they might have abandoned it too quickly? Yeah, the they did. And again, the issue, you know, for me, the issue wasn't the concept, it was the implementation. Like, you can't have a league... Whereby you've got like a you know a calendar season league you know which is effectively summer football with a three month break in the middle of it, mm. you know because people are losing interest, kids are losing interest, you know, and again it comes back to the thing down about the, the two different types of kids, kids who want to be footballers will play football every single day of the year, every week of the year, kids who are like you know who like playing football, you know, if it's a nice you know you wake up on a Sunday morning or whatever and it's you know it's lovely out it's the middle of the summer you're getting phone calls and texts off parents saying look can't make it today because we're doing something with the family you know and, and, and Actually, so yeah. and that was the challenge for the DDSL but again it comes back to there's two different sets of needs or whatever you know and you need to you need to accommodate that if you like you know um, so the one size fits all approach doesn't work anymore you know and, and that's where I think the underage stuff has been quite good in terms of say the schoolboy stuff I actually you know if, if I had an option of whether to stay calendar season based on what we had say last year or, and go back to the traditional season I absolutely would have agreed with that because you get more kids playing football throughout the year. Hmm. Um, I always ask myself the question of 17s and 19s, elite fit, with the, with the break during season, what happens? Like They've got leaving certs, they've got junior certs. Where is their mind at? Like you're saying, yeah. some of them may not want to be footballers, yeah. but they're just good to they play at that level. Yeah. And then even the standard alone, like how, how does that differentiate before and after the break? Is that a positive? Like. You know, again, even like if you take us, even with the 19s and Bray this year, I think probably most of that squad would be 2001, which would effectively be under 18. So I think we had probably 13 lads doing the, the Leaving Cert this year. So from our point of view, you've got to you've got to make sure that the Leaving Cert is more important. Mm. It's as simple as that yeah, in, yeah. in the short term. So you have to give the kids the space that they need to study and get their head right or whatever, like, you know, and take the pressure off whilst also making sure that, you know, that the football is there to give outfit. them exercise yeah. and everything else, if you know what I mean, yeah. during an important part of their life, you know. So it's um, so you know, I, I do think when you're doing exams, or whatever, it's slightly different. Whatever, it's just has to be managed differently. But I think the, you know, the key to it is certainly from the if you look at the calendar season point of view, like it's definitely, and I don't know whether or not John would agree. You know, it's you know, it's great from a coaching point of view and a playing point of view when you're training in daylight and you know you've got you're on the grass more and you know it's a I, I think it's just it creates a better sort of environment and culture whatever whereas if, you know when it's in the winter and that you know clubs probably don't have the facilities that they need mm. the grass facilities and everything else you know so it's a I think it's probably a I think it's probably from the League of Ireland point of view I think it's 
is still probably uh, the better option. Just, just uh, time is sort of moving on here. You were at the workshop a couple of weekends ago. Yeah. The, it was the Noel Mooney hosted FEI event where there was a lot of discussions about the, the direction of the league. Kieran Luce had got to make a proposal. Niall Quinn's group made a proposal. What was your impression of the event? What did you? Yeah. What, what, what was your mood coming away? Very positive. You know, um, to be fair. I was I didn't really know what to expect going in to be honest with you. You know, I think uh, obviously when you look at the people who spoke over the course of the weekend, uh, I think you know, you know, it was very impressive or whatever. I think obviously Noel uh, Noel Quinn came in with his group, the visionary group. Uh, they've got a lot of impressive people there with a, that are well connected in business and uh, other areas. Um, you know, I think uh, you know Noel, as he said himself, they were basically offering that group, you know, and and the service of that group as a you know as a resource to help the league going forward. Um, which is great, you know, because again, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of influential people involved in that group or whatever in different sectors, which would uh, certainly open up uh, doors of opportunity for the league. I think Kieran came in then, you know, after that, uh, I saw his presentation was very good, it was very detailed. Um, you know, I think he's thought of a lot of eventualities. Um, again, he sort of, you know, he made so, you know, there was a lot of sort of sub, like substantive detail there as to how they were going to achieve their goals and that, you know. So uh, I would have been very, very impressed with that, you know. Although I do think, you know, and he made no bones about it. And, and again, personally speaking, I don't think it's a, a bad thing. You know, they were effectively, I, I think they're probably looking for, say, the top 10 clubs in the country, you know, to push on now and try and develop like a, a professional league. And for, say, the other clubs, the, the Braves of this world or whatever, uh, you know, I'm not saying to know their place, but you know, to become effectively development clubs, mm. uh, you know, which again is fine because again, if we're, one of the things that we did this year in Bray, like, you know, when you're looking at how to make the, the club sustainable, you know, we're never going to compete with a Shamrock Rovers or a Dundalk or a Pats, or, do you know what I mean? So, you know, we need to decide what, you know, how we can can contribute or whatever and obviously, that's not to say that you don't have aspirations or whatever, but you've got to be realistic as well, uh, otherwise you end up with clubs in trouble. So, um, so I certainly think that the All-Ireland uh, League proposal was very good but it's certainly based around the, you know, the, the the ten strongest clubs, if you like. Yeah. And then bringing in the, the clubs from the north, um. So that that was a very good propo uh, proposal. I think the people that uh, Noel Mooney had in from UEFA were very good, and um, they were looking at it, you know, sort of from a, a neutral point of view, and they sort of discussed how the how they felt the league could expand and and improve and, you know, develop commercially, if you like, you know. And uh, ironically enough, one of the, the the key areas that they highlighted would have been um. You know, training compensation for players moving on. Yeah. You know, so get players in, develop them through the academy system, give them a platform to perform at first team level, and then hopefully, you know, sell them on to different markets. You know, so Shane, based on what you heard on on the date, is it is it doable? Is it possible for the Lucid Group and the Queen Group to both be involved in in moving it forward together, or is it a yeah. you or you kind of no, scenario, I, or what? Yeah, was it, I, I, it wasn't really like that. To be fair, I think um, you know. Now again, I don't know whether or not Kieran Lewis would have his own ideas and that, whatever yeah. you know. But certainly, you know, it was. Um, I think there's certainly a place for everybody to, to, you know, there's a place for everybody to try and help develop the game in the country and that, you know. And again, it was a very open meeting. It was a, uh, very honest. Um, you know, I think Noel Noel Quinn actually said that, um, you know, that he would have been a big fan of uh, the Kieran Lewis proposal. Um, you know, so uh, and again, I think he offered his help, uh, you know, in any way that he could. Um, but again, generally speaking, I think people were basically there just to say, right, you know, we are where we are now. How can we move this forward for the, you know, well, that's a, it's a positive debate. John, John is bringing John in this. John, have you been following this, like this whole debate about the structures of the league? Very, very little, to be honest. Yeah. Very little. It's a lot of uncontrollables for me, so. 
just that. yeah no that's fine like it's because I think it's I think there's there's so much going on there's so much at stake here I'm not sure if people have grasped how quickly all could how quickly things could change yeah and you I, know, I, structurally I, if like you're talking about like, the Kieran Lucid plan like I think it's very interesting but you're sort of talking about disbanding the League of Ireland as it currently stands yeah. like you know all of a sudden you're, you're, you're going into something dramatic and I'm not saying that's a reason not to do it at yeah. all by the way I'm not saying that at all but like I think this is such a, a potentially a seismic change yeah. how would that then affect the youth systems but that's uh, if our, like where they've been talking about how great Tom Mowen's doing and the Irish youth systems so how would that well, the control of the underage leagues is a will remain uh, probably with the FEI, which is a which is a talking point in yeah. itself. Because yeah. if you're you have a national senior league, well, you know how do they interact? Yeah. There was also the women's league, and how where did that stand in the whole thing too? So, yeah. like this is the thing. I, I think the idea is fantastic. It's maybe the timelines that might just be unrealistic but, because there's so much to go through. I'd, Shane, I'd, sorry. I'd, I'd also question whether I mean Will has talked brilliantly there in terms of how he would see Bray potentially their role within this and he said uh, yeah. development or, yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. way you phrased it and and that you know we have to be realistic and realize we're not going to compete I, I think an awful lot of clubs might shy away from that I think some clubs that hear you say you know we become a, a team that you know we're not quite operating we, yeah. we don't have aspirations and, and others are going no 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 you know we won't buy into anything that means that we can't mm. you know fix everything overnight with <laughs> what do you uh, make of it Shane? what do you make of the ideas that have been discussed um yeah i i i i'm still very not sketchy but i i i think the stumbling block obviously i've said it before i think the stumbling block is the european places mm. um and how they're going to get around that and whether now maybe there's enough money involved here that getting into Europe no longer becomes the be-all and end-all and maybe that's why everybody's willing to, to buy into it. And, and it wouldn't be, to be fair to Kieran, the, the figures that he presented, you know, uh, whoever finished last in, the, in the, the new Premier League, if you like, you know, that would be the equivalent of One, uh, qualifying, of, of for, qualifying the, for the, the, the Europa League at the moment. So, so again, from that point of view, it's, um, you know, that sort of takes that off the agenda. Does that kill the youths coming through? Because I'd like to think from a player, the only chance, or some of the reasons why we get chances, our youths get chances, is clubs don't have money to bring in all their experienced players. Mm. But now if they have all this money coming in from coming last, yeah. who says but they're not going to get League 2 players, League 1 players, 28, 29, 31? Well, it's, again, this is the classic debate of what the clubs in Ireland do when they get money. It's yeah. like, you know, like, do they, do they, do they always spend it well? You would hope that the, the fact is that the clubs are still going to have to have those underage structures, so... You know there's the, that they, they recognise the value yeah, of it now. And the thing about it is, Dan, you've got to make academy football pay. Because unless something is, you know, worthwhile doing from a from a financial and a business model point of view, why would you do it? Yeah. Because ultimately it's about money, if you know what I mean. So, like, again, if you go back to the ECA report, like the European Club Association report into academies there a few years ago, like most uh, category two countries of which we would be one, you know, they, like, they view their academies as, you know, adding economic value to the club, you know, and... You know, so we just, you know, I, I don't think there's any alternative at the minute. Like, we've basically been doing the same thing for the last 60, 70, 80 years, whatever, and it's not, you know, it's not improved. You know, it's not improved, you know. That's key, like, to, that's to, if you don't change it, what you're doing, well, then, yeah, yeah. you know. Like uh, you would say, it, what, 80, 90% of the clubs in the League of Ireland at the moment view their underage setup as a financial burden. But it is at the moment. Yeah. And, and that's where the FEI have to change, if you know what I mean. Because, again, I would question, if I have to go to Noel O'Driscoll, and ask for a justification of spending 120,000 a year, and we've got no protection around that investment, why would you do it? Yeah. You know, and, and, and so there has to be protections put in from the FEI in relation to having an academy. You want to try and incentivize clubs, 
you know, to take your development seriously. Yeah. Um, because again, there, there is no incentive at the minute, if you know what I mean. So, and that's where you have, say, you know, some of the heavier defeats because some clubs take it more seriously than others, than others. if you like, yeah. you know. So, so there's all these sort of issues around it, if you like, you know. And again, they don't all cost money. They're more sort of structural than anything else, um, you know. So, it's a, so I think from that point of view, and, and that's why, you know, I obviously got involved in the game. I never played at that level, whatever, but I obviously got involved in coaching. But the one thing I've learned over the last 10 years, working full-time in it, is that if we don't get the the off field stuff right, John? Completely agree. Well, then you know it's no use to lads on the pitch if you know what I mean, and that's ultimately what it's about. It's about trying to provide the right environment, you know, to give players in this country the best platform to to maximise their potential. Yeah, and, and, to, and, and one, the, the one of the massive things as a player, what I've really appreciated with playing the looks of Bray over the last number of years, you've now got Carrick Moines. Yeah, and it's phenomenal. Like it just makes the club a yeah. little bit better. Absolutely. And there's a lot of clubs that don't even have their own training ground. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's was, a, it's I was a, stuck at one of them. There are. Yeah, well, you know the problem. Yeah, this weekend's games, lads. Um, in the Premier Division, we've got UCD Waterford on Friday, Finn Harps, Derry City on Friday, on Saturday. Uh, the rescheduled due to Europe's and Pats and Dundalk at five thirty in Inchicore Saturday evening because Dundalk also uh, travel to Azerbaijan on Monday. Sligo Rovers and Bows also on Saturday. That's live on on Air Sport. And then on Sunday, another rescheduled game: Cork City Shamrock Rovers. Um, four o'clock Sunday afternoon. Shamrock Rovers are Finnair Derry is also live in our sport, I should say as well. And Shamrock Rovers rescheduled again because of their European commitments. Um, John, you were at Bowes Pats on Sunday actually, just to, to ask ask you about it because it's a three 0 win for Bowes. Some of the commentary afterwards from people suggesting it wasn't a three 0 game, but what was you might have a slightly different take on it. What I, was your I, feel? I thought it was a good game. Um, Pats had chances through Dean Clark. He was very good for Pats. I thought he was Pats' best player. Um, Bowes just kept catching them on counters. I think every Bowes goal came from a, a Pat's chance and he just flipped it around and came straight down the throat. Um, it was a great game. People talking about European hangovers. Rovers proved there isn't any. Mm. With a 7-0 thumping. Pats are just struggling generally, maybe. I mean, it might just be that. It's, you know, they, they, they lost three days after being in Sweden, but... Um, and okay, maybe their performance wasn't that bad, but it's a big loss. They're eight points behind third third spot now, and they're they're struggling a bit. Shane, I don't know. I mean, I, they've actually had some good results in the league in recent weeks, but that was a big win for Bowes in the context of this wider European picture because Derry are starting to hit a bit of form as well too. Yeah, it really, really was. And look, they are you know they're a team who at the start of the season you saw the the, the strength of the personnel that they were recruiting and it was such a buzz around the club. I think opening games, you know, they had massive crowds in for it and the whole lot and for whatever reason it just hasn't kind of, of, of fallen into place for them. I don't think they're you know, they're far from a poor side. They're not they're not kind of struggling, I suppose, in, in the way that Waterford they're struggling a little bit more, but there's just something missing. Obviously goals is the something that's that's missing because they look very well structured and they're very hard to, to score against well, they were up until the weekend, I suppose. Yeah, they've got but, a lot of individual brilliance, a lot of ability. Yeah. That's something you wouldn't question, but that's not what I lose in games. Mm. Yeah. You were you were praising Keith Buckley his contribution Phenomenal on Sunday. Phenomenal player. Like it's one of those things, you watch the game, you miss him, you you watch him, you see it all. Like he's bringing players into various and he's freeing up space for Keith Ward. Mm. And then he's freeing up space for um, Wade Slater to come in on inside from the right, who then assisted in the goal, in the first goal. But I think he's phenomenal. And that's something I think players need to... We, like, we talk about creativity, which is fantastic, and we need to encourage it. But also the flip side of it is there's players like Keith Buckley who yeah. knows his role yeah. and does it. And me personally, I think if Pat's had Keith Buckley... I mean, they you, wouldn't be in the positions they're in. And players like that are undervalued, John, aren't they? Completely undervalued. And as something I was looking at the weekend, it's a thing we see on social media where if a kid scores a goal, we get a picture above them. And I was watching the Bowls game, and this came to mind. 
I was like, Keith Buckley doesn't score goals. Yeah. So a kid of his ability or his characteristics, they'll never have plaudits on social media at the age of 12, 13, 16. And yeah. it's something we need to keep recognising yeah. and applauding. I mean, you hear, you'll, both of you, I'm sure, be used to hearing in, in coaching lingo, you hear the phrase a lot, you know, how many energisers have you in your dressing room? How many de-energisers do you have in your dressing room? You know, and if that balance is the wrong way around, you're in big, big trouble. I, I don't know Keith Buckley that well, but just watching him from the outside, he strikes me as being one of the ultimate energisers. He sets say he's the standard. <laughs> it's short passing, long passing, when to run long, when not to run long. As the game opened up, the 60-minute mark, it's very exciting as a fan. It's counter-attacking. Once you got the ball... From his left hand side, opened up and realised one versus four. No, I'm going to cry for him back out and keep it. So I was like, brilliant, he knows his role. Mm. Someone else would have went down the throat, lost, and you can see it. Yeah. Is it a bit like someone like Chris Shields who knows his role within the dark side? Yeah. You know, yeah. The, and the, and the, only thing, the only thing Keith is missing is a trophy for mm. him to get more recognition. I hope this year he, he gets a trophy. Mm. Dundalk Carabag on Wednesday, lads. I mean, we know Carabag are a good team, but we might necessarily know a huge amount about the attributes of the team. The description is that there may be more. There are sort of a, they might move the ball quickly. They're they're maybe different to Riga, who are more strong and, and physical. I don't know how we feel they'll fare. I mean, it's uh, well. It's, I I think Dan, like if you look at say Dundalk scenario, I think once you get through that first round, I'm not saying the pressure's off as such, but there's always huge pressure on you know the league champions going into the first round of uh, the, time, the, the yeah. Champions League qualifier. You know, so I think the pressure's off slightly. I think it probably suits us, uh, to be honest with you, being the underdog, if you like, you know, where we can sort of get in behind the ball and maybe hit them on the counter a little bit. I always find, you know, at all levels of the game in this country, when the onus is on us to go and break teams down, that's where we struggle a little bit, you know. So, you know, so I'd, I'd be, you know, quietly confident for Dundalk that they'll, you know, uh, you know, that they'll be more of a ma- more I mean, of a match for them. You, you look at that last week and, you know, you look at how things played out. Is that a positive or is it negative in that do you look and you go, oh, Dundalk were far from their best? Or do you go, Dundalk were far from their best and still got through? It could be liberating for them now. It's That's almost a, a sense yeah. of... Uh, There's not, massive not pressure in that game. Yeah. You know? like, I have to say, like being over in, in, in Lafayette for that, like the, the pressure, the tension in the ground, oh, right. like it was actually a horrible game, really, like for large periods of the game. Um, because there was this inevitability about where it was going, but I'm sure, like at various levels, you've all been in situations where you you almost just know that this game is is just about not making mistakes. Yeah. It just became yeah. one of those matches where it was like we just can't, you know just can't make any errors here, yeah. and and you see it out. And it is funny if the dog had lost that penalty shootout on Wednesday, I think there would have been a bruising fallout. I just think the there would have been a sense of you've missed a chance to beat a team you're probably yeah. better than. And in yeah. this round, it was, it was going know? to be a tough challenge. I mean, the guy he had on a couple of weeks ago, he called it absolutely perfectly, perfect, didn't yeah. he? In terms yeah, that, that, that's how Riga actually play. Oh, like that's hundred percent because he he'd said it, and and I was having a look to see, well, you know, would you have a, a bit of a bet on it maybe or something? And I was looking and, and I checked their previous games and they'd scored quite a few ga- goals, goals in the previous games. And I was going, does this lad know his stuff at all? And then you watch two games and he absolutely knew his stuff. They yeah. were hundred percent set up that way. And it's very hard then for Dundalk to really like they couldn't. If that was a league game where if if it doesn't work out for you, you've got more league games coming and it's not the end of the world, Dundalk would have thrown everything at it. They would yeah. have thrown the kitchen sink at it. But they couldn't. You know, mm. They couldn't gamble that much by, by just throwing everything at it. And it was a real kind of knife-edge game, I can imagine, as you say. And again, day. I think if you look at the business model of that club going forward, like you know, it's important that they do have a certain element of European success to they keep have the kitchen to. along. There's, so. there's, no, there's, no, there's no dispute in that. Yeah. They just have to. They, they, have, they have the biggest wage bill in the country yeah. now and they're guaranteed 1.2 million for getting through, but that doesn't cover remotely cover their no. wage bill. So... They have to. They almost have to aspire to get through that round every year, which yeah. involves winning the league every 
year too. Absolutely. You know? So well, I think uh, the thing about Dundalk uh, this week, whatever you know, I think you know, I think the shackles are off a little bit, and I'll be very, very surprised if we don't see an imp- like a, an improvement yeah. in the performance, if you like, yeah. whatever about the results, because obviously their opponents are very, very strong with a good uh, European uh, caliber or whatever. But um, but uh, you know, I'd fully expect uh, Dundalk to play well and be more of a match for them. And we talked about Jack Bourne and creativity. Yeah. They've they've got a lot of players who who haven't turned it on yet. Yeah, in Europe, that is, of course, you've only had two games. Yeah, but and, you know, and this who, could you, be who, are you, who are you thinking of there, John McElhenney? Well, there's McElhenney, there's Michael Duffy, there's um, Jamie McGrath. McGrath. You know, McGrath's a very talented player, fantastic. Yeah, like, yeah. and if, yeah. it's beautiful to watch them in intricate passing, and that's how we're hoping scores goals. In the last couple of years, who was the most challenging player you played against in the league? Maybe that's the, you know, who, who, was, um, who did you always find? God, this is this is going to be tough, Patrick McElhenney. Mm. You know what he's going to do, he's going to stop him. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I know he's going to just shimmy in his left and go on his right. And then he just does that and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he has, like, you're right, he has. And he stands you up and you're like, oh, he stopped the ball, now I have a chance. You don't have a chance. There's players like him and Jack Bourne, you actually prefer them to keep the ball moving. Mm. Where others, you're like, all right, you've stopped the ball, they've slowed it down, I now have a chance to win it. They can just go. You must you must be barking at the players around you to try and just stop the ball into him. It's like if it, I, it's, I can't li- stop him once he gets it, so you yeah, need it's to stop him. Just cut it off source for <laughs> me. I'm yeah. playing these people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's important. I mean it, it's a strange one though, because obviously like Shamrock Overs a big game on Thursday against the Pollen Limassol as well, and hopefully that's well supported. But there is still this question mark, Will, about like the, the inequality in the league too. So it's great that Dundalk and Rovers do well, but they get more money. Yeah. And the more money that they get Gives them a position of power when it comes to winter. Shane looks to come in, looking to come in here like next winter. I mean, but Cork, is, had, it. Cork had it for a couple of years. Well, Cork, well, Cork have wasted it. You know, this is the, Cork have wasted it. I mean, this I, is the problem. I, I think that's just professional sports. Like it's it's not a level playing field to be honest with you. You know, and it's just uh, I do think there's a, a small argument to be made for the redistribution. Was that raised at the weekend? Yeah, or, or the weekend just gone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was to be fair, and, and again. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily. I thought it would have been shut down immediately by the clubs who were involved at that level. But you know, it, it wasn't shut down, if you know what I mean. Um, but again, it was just. It was. I think it was the the the, the chap from Sligo made the point. You know, but and it was based on the fact that say you know their league program and and clubs who weren't involved in Europe were obviously you know you know they they, they may miss out on home fixtures and everything mm-hmm. else, whatever, and that money should be redistributed or whatever, uh, redistributed rather. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong. Is that not what they do in Holland? Yeah. I actually, yeah, look, this is something that's been discussed now. It's only a recent development thing. It's right? only last year. Yeah. Um, now, the only argument you would make there is that, I mean, Ajax got to the Champions League final, so the amount of money they got for yeah. that is like yeah. te- sort of telephone number stuff as opposed to a club getting 400 grand and sort of giving, you know, yeah. Yeah. X amount of it to but, their but rivals. Dan, j- just on that, again, it's important because it's uh, that money was ring fenced for your development. Well, this is, I think if there's a ring fencing of the money, I think yeah. it's a different story. Or yeah. for Grounds or Absolutely. for some sort of because the thing about it is like and this is the point that people miss like like we are the only ones that have a vested interest in developing the next generation of players for all the clubs like all the clubs have a vested interest in that so the better quality player we can develop going forward you know it means everybody everybody will benefit if you like you know so it will mean the likes of at the minute the Dundalks and the Rovers and whoever else in Europe they're going to sign them all eventually anyway exactly well yeah <laughs> but, know, but the thing about it is but, but, but even with that like the, the more yeah. money that's flown around the league in terms of cash flow you know. That's that will filter its way down to to other clubs if you like you know so it's um so even though people will say oh look the, the gap's getting bigger or whatever but you'd like to think that some of that money will trickle you know find its way down to other clubs in terms of 
you know, maybe, you know, clubs are buying the better players from other clubs and what have you, you know. Mm. So, look, the bottom line is the more money involved in the league, the better for everybody, I think. Look, and I, I know we're getting close to the end of it and yeah. you don't want to, 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 to come kind of finish in negative. Don't worry, you're, you're, you're <laughs> totally replacing Johnny Ward if we're getting towards the end of the show and you just introduce, <laughs> now what about, you know, well, what about human rights issues somewhere? It's like a 15 minute debate. So like, no, 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 not that bad. No, but like, he's, we're, we're chatting away here and everything is kind of fine in the world because we have two teams through to the next round. I mean, we're a Jamie McGrath missed penalty and a Jack Byrne not coming up with an inspirational yeah. piece of play from having nobody. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, really, really fine margins. And then we are probably questioning absolutely but, everything if we'd had nobody. But Shane, everything isn't fine in the world because the thing about it is we have dropped 10 places in the coefficient in the last 10 years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So again, sometimes we're all in a little bubble at times thinking everything, and it's not great, if you know what I mean. And for all the improvements that we're making, you know, they're, they're still not the same rate that other... Well, this are, is the striking thing. You, you know? look at the, the, the rounds and you see the teams that have come along over the last couple of years and we know that if the dog lose, they go into a parachute, they parachute into the Europa round and I, I've had some like discussions, people saying, ah, well, it's not looking so bad in there because it's the champions of, say, Luxembourg, Macedonia yeah. and stuff. You're like, you're sort of forgetting how somebody's... Absolutely. You're looking at the name rather than the... Yeah, the country where they're from. Yeah, and that, you know. yeah exactly. But, so, but I, I do think the positive on that, sorry, Shane, yeah, is yeah. that people realise that things aren't great and that there's a massive need for improvement. So that's where I think the, the positive uh, aspect of it lies, if you like. You but know? it's like what, like what John said earlier about coaching. I think it's the same. that after I think I believe that after every year of European results there needs to be a discussion and review regardless of how well it went Absolutely. there still needs to be a review anyway yeah. to go well, yeah. what did we what did actually we learn from this year what are other countries doing or whatever it might be you know Shane finally I feel like you've got one last point to come well in. just looking at the fixtures again not to allow European football to hijack everything I mean I'll go for the for the. I can't sit here in a Johnny Ward chair and not make the outlandish statements but I mean how much trouble are Watford in if UCD beat them on on uh yeah, on Friday night. Johnny did say this a while back, and I sort of dismissed the idea that it was could be plausible. Well, you're I mean, looking at a scenario. Seven points, if, and, and if if Harps managed to pull it off against Derry as well, like you could end up on Saturday morning where there's two teams four points behind Waterford. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a huge, huge, huge game for them. It yeah, really, really but is. they have a lot of games in hand. I mean, obviously their squad's been depleted. They've lost Bastian. Elbazetti's been injured, which is massive. Um, saw somebody t- tweeting there recently. Uh, I think they put up their team from twelve months ago and their team from now. Does, and does only one, one survivor was that? Yeah, was it? Was it Dino Halloran? Halloran. Dino yeah. Halloran, I think. Yeah, no, the turnover has been dr- and like sometimes momentum can just can suck you both ways, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think like the Waterford story has been a good one. That I'm not sure if I really want them to get into that situation yeah. at all. Um, but obviously, it looked pretty bleak there at the weekend. Um, but we shall see. Listen, we are going to wrap things up. Yep. Um, we're not sure where the show is going to be presented from next week. It might sort of depend on Dundalk's situation and uh, whether me and Johnny are away or not. But John, great to have you in. Hopefully, you. hopefully have you back in the league soon, asking some questions. Uh, we'll, <laughs> or not? We'll <laughs> have, uh, or not? <laughs> yeah. John John Sullivan in a couple of weeks' time signing for a club and saying this. Man- interviews with uh, what a wonderful manager this is deep down he's actually hating it but like you know <laughs> well good to have you in we'll have you back Cheers, again Dan, definitely lots to discuss and Shane yeah we'll, we'll have you back again soon no problem Johnny, Johnny will be in holiday within three to four <laughs> weeks sure. so I'll be I'm fine sure he will thanks for listening everyone talk to you but there are limits to your life